Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Time now for the nightcap. Who are you talking to right now? Do you know how much I make a year? I mean, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Do you know what would happen if I suddenly decided to stop going into work? A business big enough that it could be listed on the NASDAQ goes belly up. Disappears. It ceases to exist without me. No, you clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, you think that of me? No, I am the one who knocks. On WGR Sports Radio 550. There's a replay of hour number one. Me getting into it with some people on the Sabres. Tonight, Cap, Jody Biasi. Mike Jafari has rejoined us for a Mike Jafari Wednesday. I want to talk some basketball today. I'm looking around. I don't really see people that know much about basketball. No offense. What's that? Right, there it is. Um, so, I had to go outside. Nate Geary is on the Western Hotline. Nate, what's up? What's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. How are you? How are you doing? Uh, what I catch you? Know, you what I catch I, you doing? Kind of a, kind of a gripe, to, or maybe a bone to pick with you. With uh, me? A little bit. For what? Uh, with you? You know what? Maybe not with you, but maybe the general public. Do you know, like on average per week, how many people tweet at me between seven and nine p.m. these <laughs> rebuttals to hot takes that you make on air, and they think it's me. And I, I, can, I can't even really tell you how many. Like, I can't put into a number. But I would say between 7 and 14 people a week will tweet at me, like, responding to something you say on the air. And, and I, I just have given up trying to tell people that it's not me on the radio. It's actually Joe DiBiase. You should, so, fu- you should be firing back, like, pretending to be me. I've listen. I have my own posse of people that I have to respond back to. I can't also respond back to yours, Joe. Do, do you know what's funny about that? I don't get anything like on Saturdays, ever. So well, no, no I, one's confusing I, you me. You have a confusing voice. You have a confusing because it has hmm. essence of me in it. Like sometimes when I'm listening to you and I'm driving home, like essence I'm like, okay, I Nate. guess I could. You have a little bit of essence of me. So it's like okay. I, when I'm driving home, sometimes I'm like, you know. I guess I can understand why somebody might get confused. Like so we say certain words, like just we also have like very. And I, I mean, it's like coach speak at this point, radio speak, and we say the same things basically. So people, you know, they latch onto things. So I'm guessing nobody is confused. No, like I don't think Ryan Gates is probably getting any uh, tweets right now because he. I don't no. think my voice sounds like him. No. No, yeah, I, I am getting those tweets. They, it didn't happen okay. when Ryan was the host of the Nightcap. This only has started to happen since you have taken over as the uh, the host of the cap. So that's sort of my, my the bone that I wanted to pick with you. Uh, it's not a big okay. deal, but I just want to say that your work is starting to spill over into my timeline, and I don't thoroughly appreciate it. I'm going to take it as a compliment, though. I know it might not be meant to be one. I know it might be annoying to you. Honestly, I'm going to take it as a compliment. Really, it's more of a it's more of a compliment for me, truly. That no, people no, no. Are like you know. No, think of it this way: there are people listening yeah. on the radio. They're not on Twitter. 
they're seeking out this person that is getting them fired up. I'm getting people fired up, and they're going to Twitter to try to find who this person is. They're just happening to get the wrong person. They are, and you know, it's it's weird. They go to the guy that they know probably responds, and that's me. Mm. Uh, not that that I have I have started but, responding less and less. So yeah, There's it becomes a bit of a, like a chore, like a daily. It's kind of the thing that brings me back to my childhood is responding to people on Twitter is sort of like a daily chore your parents gave you. You don't really want to do, but mm-hmm. you've accepted you have to do, and then it becomes part of your everyday life. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I'll take it on the chin. Um, we were talking basketball, right? Yeah. I want to talk NBA. Uh, I want to get right, into right into it. Golden State Warriors. Who is the biggest threat to take them down? If there is one. <sighs> I mean, they have. Are we talking they the have. Lot? They legitimately have a all star roster now. They have five all stars. But what, if one team takes them out, it would be who? So originally, I mean, you probably think this too, and I think probably a lot of people think this. It's going to be Houston, right? Because ever since yep. they got rid of the Albatross and Carmelo Anthony, um, all of a sudden they're playing like the team that we saw in 2017. Uh, and a team in tw- that we saw, I should say, at the end of 27 going into 2018, but then ended up losing Chris Paul. They don't even have Chris Paul right now. And James Harden's going on the most historic scoring run since, you know, uh, since Will Chamberlain and, and, you know, you're talking Bill Russell, people that were scoring 100 points a game. Um, like, he, he, I think last week he went on a three-game span where he scored 163 points. Like, that is yeah. unbelievable. And none were assisted uh, on. Right, which is, uh, and, and <laughs> you know, amazing. the other stat that I saw, D'Angelo. Um, D'Angelo Russell. Why can, D'Angelo Russell has the record for most points scored in two consecutive games without a free throw. Now, that is not James Harden's game. James Harden gets to the free throw line a bunch, but he converts. So, I mean, people want to make that as a knock against him. But if you get to the free throw line, a lot of people can't make those. I mean, Shaq, think about how many more points Shaq could have had his career if he hit 70% of his free throws. I mean, you're talking about hundreds to thousands of more points that a guy could have had. So, um, he gets it done there. The Rockets are the team that I think maybe have the depth to go up against the depth of Golden State. But I think ultimately the one team I think could pose the biggest threat to them um, in the West anyways, it's going to sound crazy, but the Clippers are a one team that I just wouldn't uh, – they played well at the beginning of part of the season. It could totally fall apart in the second half. Um, but I do think Oklahoma City is the team now. It seems like the two teams that got rid of Melo, they just turned into better – teams overall right but not only that they ended up getting um they end up getting schroeder from atlanta and he's turned into a really nice like depth piece for them Mm -hmm. so i think like because they have obviously have russell westbrook and obviously they've got paul george they've got one of the best one twos in the west and maybe they put you know that they're like first and third in steals per game so they're playing really good defense and those two are both over two steals per game Paul George hit that game winner the other night where I, I think it might have been against, against L.A., hit the game winner at the end of the uh, – as, as time expired. Like, that team is starting to play good together, and I think George and Westbrook are finally – Westbrook's finally finding a teammate outside of Kevin Durant that he can play with, which, you know, I mean, we'll watch out if that really – if that turns into chemistry. They just need – I think they need one more piece. Steven Adams is really good. Um, down low, but man, I'll tell you what, Joe, it's really great to talk basketball. I don't really ever get to do this. (laughs) How realistic do you think it is that one of these teams is even able to do it? I know I made you pick one, but like, is it even realistic in your mind? I mean, if Boogie keeps looking the way he's looked, uh, meshing with them, uh, they were already unstoppable. I can't see why they would be uh, 
beatable with him. So I think the conversation what, where it has to go is for the first time in maybe half decade up to a decade, the East, I think, is actually a better conference yeah. um, within the first four teams, five teams this year. And you and nobody's really talking about the Nuggets, right? Like, I didn't even bring up the Nuggets. As a Our Nuggets. Uh, right. Second okay, like place. Yep, second quite, place. I, I've got quite a few uh, Nuggets jerseys in the in the old closet box of mine. Is so, Mello, is Mello um, one of them? Mello's five of them. Iverson's Whoa. one. Um, How about some, uh, do you got any Chauncey God. Billups action in there? No Chauncey Billups, mm. but I do have one Kmart jersey, and I okay. can't think of the name, but he's number 43. He's a white... Slovakian kid, but Linus Kleza or something. I don't know. Wow, that's it. Is that actually it? Because <laughs> no, I remember no, that, that name. It. Yes. That's All right. Amazing. I'm very happy that this I was show, able to, to get this that. This show was worth it just because we had a Linus Kleza uh, reference. But uh, honestly, somewhere I hope uh, I hope our guy from uh, now I can't think of his name. That doesn't matter. Ty, I was thinking of Ty Dunn because uh-huh. Ty Dunn is a big into '90s and late 2000s bas- NBA basketball, and he would be proud that a Linus Clayser reference was was done on this show. Um, but like I said, we haven't really even talked about the Nuggets. I just don't think they're a legitimate contender against Golden State, just the way they play the run and gun. And now they actually have someone that can guard. Um, uh, what's his name? Jokic, right? Yep, Joker. Is that, is that his? yeah, Joker? Yeah, uh, yeah. He's he's ridiculous. I, I forget his name, but he's unbelievable. Uh, triple doubles all over the place. And they have a. I think Golden State has the one neutralizer in that, and I, I don't think the other guy that I think could cover him is Anthony Davis, and they're not getting to the finals. So, right. Um, I think it turns to the East. Like East have five teams that I think are good enough. Like, and I think it starts with the 76ers, even though like they're not in first place in the East right now. There, I think they're 31 wins. If I'm yes, remember, 31 17. But- they're in fourth. Right. So, so there are 31 wins based at, at this point in the season. Jimmy Butler's has like four game-winning shots for them. Ben Simmons is a basically a triple-double machine, and Joel Embiid's one of the best big men in basketball. And they have J.J. Redick, who's one of the best three-point shooters in basketball. So, like, they're an interesting dynamic, and obviously Boston's the most interesting. Is Can they be as good as they're supposed to be with yep. considering how much money they're making? And what's amazing is those two teams lined up right now would play in the first round, four versus five. So like it'd be it'd be a great series, right. but I think I almost want to save that until later on. Um, like you said, the top five in the East like looks pretty good. They're not deep. Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the Milwaukee. Toronto. Team have, I think right. Toronto, who like we haven't even uh, it doesn't even really them. cross your mind. But then you're like they have one of the best players in the NBA. So does Milwaukee. They they the probably have the best. Now, they have the best player in the East. And that's what well, the thing is, is in the East, you could make an argument that two of the best three players are now in the Eastern Conference, and that just wasn't the case. Two years ago, I mean, four of the top five are all in the West. So yeah. the East is starting to finally catch up, and it's it's at least going to make for a better playoff series for the East. But I think ultimately the East is going to do what the West has done for a long time, which is beat up on each other. And by the time they get to the finals, a fresh East Coast team who had two sweeps in a five-game series is going to come in and have a better chance against the West team who had to go 7-6-7 seven, and seven to get to the finals. Yeah. So you mentioned the Clippers. They're in the eighth spot right now. That means the Lakers are outside looking in as the ninth seed. Obviously, LeBron's not back yet. I would be worried if I'm them right now because without LeBron, like they they remind me not for um, like who the players are because obviously they're a lot younger and a lot more athletic. But they remind me of Cleveland last year. Like if you take LeBron away, they're just not good at all. 
they're not good. And I remember I was actually walking into, like, I think it was game two of the NBA Finals. We were talking. I went to the game, and I was on the nightcap with you yeah, as right. I was going into the game. We were talking and talking about the impact of LeBron and, like, what he meant to not only Cleveland, the city, whatever. But then he goes to L.A., he gets hurt, and you see the impact. They're like, Three and nine or three and ten with mm-hmm. LeBron out of the lineup, and I mean he's the best player still in basketball. And the thing that you see with LA is the young guys haven't come around like they hoped. Um, and and I think Lonzo Ball is still going to end up being a really good player for them, but it's going to come down to can they get one of the uh, the big free agents? The you know is it going to be Boogie Cousins that decides to go to LA next year? Is it Leonard? Um, is it one of these, is it Kyrie Irving? Who knows, you know, like Kyrie, maybe uh, this whole apology thing with LeBron, maybe they've mended bridges. Maybe they get back together. Who knows? Like it, it, crazy things are going to happen in the next two free agent cycles. But with LA right now, the thing that I think is most interesting about them is you're right. Like they're on the outside looking in, but once LeBron comes back, they're going to go on a 10, 11 game run. And if not, Joe, like this would be the first time since LeBron James came into the league that a LeBron led team doesn't make the playoffs. Not only that, but it would be the first time in a decade, I think even more than that, that a LeBron-led team didn't make it to the conference finals of this right. conference, which has always been the East. So I think we knew year one was going to be tough because the West is so packed with good talent at the top. Now they're talking about Memphis is going to break up the big core of their team finally. Um, so the NBA yeah. is I, always figures out a way to at least captivate casual followers like me where, I mean, you see Westbrook on a week-in and week-out basis, night-in, night-out basis, talking trash about some of the best players in the league. And it's so captive. The game is so great. And once the playoffs come, and like this is the, the stretch run and into the playoffs is some of the best you know, sports outside of you know, the NFL, in my opinion, and obviously playoff hockey. I think NBA playoffs are number three on that list of like exciting pro sports come playoff time. All right, I'm going to test your gut here with a little rapid fire. I've got seven players i want you to give me the team gut feeling you think that they will be with next season you ready Ooh, into it jimmy butler jimmy butler stays in philadelphia really yes anthony davis anthony davis gets because he's under contract till 2020 will end up getting traded in the offseason with a year left sign a super max deal in la with lebron i agree with that one clay thompson Clay Thompson, I think, goes to Milwaukee. What? Yeah. Milwaukee? Milwaukee. Where did that come from? Uh, my gut feeling is, is somebody is going to want to play with the Greek Freak because he's an unselfish player, and he could really use a right-hand scoring man so that he could average a triple-double. And he can be a 17, 15, and 13 guy and just be and, and on nice score 50 when he has to. And I think a, a guy like Clay Thompson would mesh so well with that team. That's really like they have a couple of guys who can shoot from the perimeter, but they add Clay Thompson to that team. That's a perennial Eastern Conference power if they add Clay Thompson. And I, and I think people want to play with the Greek Freak. Someone's going to do it. Clay makes the most sense because I think he's the most like schematic and strategic fit. I like it. It's out there. It's bold. Um, that it would is. be something if that happened. Um, I should have. I was going to be doing these along with you, and I forgot. I have Jimmy Butler going to the Knicks. Ooh, have, okay. I'm, see, I'm kind of a Knicks fan. Like, I'm into that. Anthony Davis I have also as a Laker. Clay I have uh, staying in Golden State. Kevin Durant. Yeah, I, I would think Kevin Durant goes to the Knicks. Really? You think Kevin Durant? I mean, that, that could they could sign both Butler and Durant, to be honest. But 
they could, and, and they can still get another, not a Supermax, but a Max contract. They can add two Supermaxes and a Max, which I think one of those is going to end up being Porzingis. So yeah, they right. could, I mean, if they ended up with Durant, Butler, and Porzingis with, uh, with Big Frank, uh, and then you're that the kid that they got in the offseason, I think his last name is Thomas. I, I haven't watched much Knicks basketball because they're one of the worst teams in basketball. But plus they could end up with Zion. So they end up with Zion and they got those three. Like, holy cow, you're talking about a legitimate contender in one year for it, the Knicks. Isn't it amazing that with despite not having a draft pick for, it seemed like, seven years, the Brooklyn Nets have rebuilt faster than the New York Knicks? Which, without any picks at all, like like historically, right. maybe one of the worst trades of all time. Like the maybe, the and they're most sitting here in the sixth seed, right? And and D'Angelo Russell, who we talked about a little a couple minutes ago, like he's really turned into a nice player for them when they traded him from they got him from the Lakers. But here's the thing: is how about uh, Lopez? How about Brooke Lopez right now for Milwaukee? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like if you have, he's their only three point shooter right now outside of who's their Middle, guard? Middleton, uh, Middleton, or, right? Yeah. And and Brogdon's not really a three point shooter. Like right. you add Clay to that lineup, and you have Lopez, who all of a sudden it, Lopez is now going to extend his career five years by becoming a legitimate stretch five shooter. So that that's an interesting team moving forward for sure. Who else we got though? I know you got like I got a couple more players in here. A couple yeah. more. Kyrie Irving. See, I think he's a candidate. I think he's, he's a candidate. I think for either the Knicks or the Lakers, but I think he probably stays in Boston. I think he could potentially stay in Boston because he wants I don't I don't think he wants that image of going and playing for three teams. Now, here's the thing I was reading about this the other day and I think that this could cause him to maybe search elsewhere is that one advantage that he would have in staying in Boston is that he is eligible to sign the Supermax deal there. But what I was reading is Boston might not offer him that because they have so many other young players that they're going to have to think right. about signing at some point. If they don't offer him the Supermax, then I would be really questioning where he goes. If they do offer it, I think he's for sure saying, though. I think that's probably right. So I think, I, and I would say there's probably two teams that he's going to go to. I think the Knicks is one. I think if Anthony Davis stays in New Orleans, that New Orleans becomes an interesting place <laughs> for a, a sign and trade with them okay. potentially trading Drew Holiday and bringing in a Kyrie Irving. Um, and then Boston gets a more of a salary-controlled point guard who is still good and in his early 30s that they could they could build around him, right? So right. that like New Orleans remains interesting if they can figure out a way to keep Davis. But if they can't, then I think like Kyrie's basically LA, Boston, or uh, or New York. I think the Knicks is interesting because they they're going to get two guys. It's just going to be about which combination of two I guys. Mean, and if he goes every time, though, everyone says they're going to get two guys, and they never, they almost never do. No, but if you think about it, right now the East is good enough. Like the talent is good enough now, where it's not just you're you're going to the East to to yeah. to get away from the West. You know, like that was one of the the things with some of these guys in the West going to the East. It's like, well, you're just leaving because you have to deal with Golden State, and you'd rather get to right. the finals. Uh, Which, you can't really make that argument. I'll, I'll be honest, though. I mean, the way you're you got this shaping up, you don't got Golden State being left with much. No, that's true. And maybe they're left with Curry and Cousins and, and Green, you know. And then they and then they get somebody else. You know, How, they'll be able to get somebody else then. Let, let's roll through our last two here: Kawhi Leonard. See, this is this is a tough one, and this is maybe a little off who, who you wouldn't think I, I would pin him with, but I think he's going to go to the Clippers. I've seen. I, I think that's realistic. I actually like that one. I actually might think that's the favorite um, n- next to him staying in Toronto, which Same. I I agree. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think the Clippers makes a lot of sense. He doesn't seem like 
from what I've read and what I've heard, that he really wants to team up with LeBron, but he wants to be in L.A. So Clippers, they're left. Clippers make sense. It really does. Uh, Boogie Cousins, last one. So I guess it's going to be depending on some of the other predictions I made. I could see him staying in Golden State, especially if they win this year and they lose one or both of KD and Clay. I would think they only lose one of those guys. Yeah, um, I can't see them losing I'll, both, right? I, I, just, I can't see it, but I could also see two scenarios playing out. Him going to L.A. and playing with LeBron and then them going to get a guard. Or two, him going back to New Orleans to play with Anthony Davis if Anthony Davis is still there. I think they liked what they had going on there between those two. They were both averaging 20-plus points, 10-plus rebounds. They, like, they were on a historic pace for two big men, and the injury happened to the Achilles. So I think that New Orleans isn't totally out if Anthony Davis decides that that's where he wants to be for the future. I would highly doubt that Anthony Davis signs up anything long-term in New Orleans, though. I've got a bold one for Anthony Davis. I think that either Durant or Clay Thompson leave Golden State. Golden State has been rumored for, like, two years now, like, every once in a while, that they are just absolutely in love with Anthony Davis. I think they could very well, if either Durant or Clay leave, try to throw Anthony Davis into the mix there and maybe move on from Draymond. And give him the best guard he's ever played with, yep. bar none, by the mo- and the best shooter in the in maybe ever in, in in Steph Curry. Yeah, that could try. And not only that, but Steve Kerr's a big draw for Golden State. I mean, he's not only he's one of the best player coaches around. As much as everyone loves Popovich, right. I don't think you'd necessarily call Popovich a player's coach. He's more of like X's and O's, one of the best strategic coaches in the world. Where you have Steve Kerr, who's maybe the best players coach yep. in the world, so it's, it'll be interesting to see. I, you're totally right; like they might make a ploy, and if that happens, then maybe they want to keep Cousins and Davis, and they want to go that with with Steph Curry. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. All right, that's why I love the NBA. We just we just talked about seven star players who realistically could go anywhere could in this offseason. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I got one more question. Mike wants me to ask you this, and I actually was going to ask this anyway. Uh, Lakers. First round, if they get the eighth seed and play Golden State, playoff Rondo, LeBron's back healthy. How many games does that series go? Golden State and six. Okay, I'm marking it down. Six Golden games. State six. All right, Nate. Thanks. No problem, brother. Good to talk to you. Thanks. Uh, there's Nate Geary on the Western Hotline. By the way, I was going to talk about with him. I forgot, but I'll mention it here. Uh, he's got a long-winded piece. Good stuff on Josh Allen. You can read that at WGR550.com. It's called The Welcome Change, Josh Allen in the Air Raid Offense. Check that out on our website via Nate Geary. We'll take a time out here. We'll get into the Bills a little bit next. Bills GM Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott both spoke today at the Senior Bowl, which is on Saturday. So we'll talk a little draft, and we'll hear from the GM a little bit as well. It's the Nightcap, Jody Biasi and Mike Jafari, who's running the board here on WGR. As an organization, and I felt like I wasn't necessarily satisfied in those other two areas. So if I wake up with that feeling in my stomach that this is the, the right way to go for our organization, or conversely, if I wake up with the feeling that we can't get to where we're trying to get to with what we currently have in those two spots, and that was the case as it related to the offensive line and, and special team situation. Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, talking about a little bit of the coaching changes that they've made. I think they still got a higher receiving coach think that's coming song draft on friday i'm ready I'm not picking that one what was that that we just played that was some 41 right i've listened i've dabbled in some 41 i'm not picking it though not a big rock like heavy rock guy like that 
I already know what's going to happen. Eight picks. I'm going to end up with a classic rock. Stairway to Heaven's a solid first round pick. Couple 80s. One or two country. One rap. Should have been keeping track. I don't even know how many it is. So six. And probably a John Mayer song. Mm. I'm a I'm a big John Mayer fan. I got I got I got I got to represent. But cuz no of one else all is time. Well, I mean, we're going 40 songs deep. I can get one of them in there. I mean, it's like putting Gergensen's in the Hall of Fame. Oh, know? come on. It's not like no it is not. I don't know. It's Picking a, a John Mayer song in a song draft is not like putting Zemgus Gergensen's in the Hall of Fame. Maybe it's like picking him in the All-Star game. But it's not no, come on. You're doing the all-time greats. There's so many songs. I don't have to pick the best songs of all time. I'm picking my favorite songs. Well, then your team's not going to be very good of songs. I think it'll be very... I'm I'm not going to just do songs no one's ever heard of, though. There's John Mayer fans out there. You're talking about Elvis, Sinatra, your Beatles. John Mayer's a very popular artist. There are a lot of fans out there. I I didn't say I'm not going to pick Elvis. Sounds like a turd on the cake to me. That's the one I forgot. I'm going to pick a Beatles song. Of course, But it's got to be the one I want. I might have to pick it first... Round. I think I'm giving away too much of my draft strategy, just in case anyone's listening. So I should stop. Quick uh, score update. We'll get you some football talk in a second. I'll let you hear from uh, Bill's GM, Brandon Bean, who talked with John Murphy earlier today. Uh, we haven't really played that back in the station, so I thought I'd give you an opportunity to listen to that. Before we do that, there are some games going on with playoff implications for the Sabres. Toronto and Washington, which is on national TV, just getting going in the second period. They're tied at one. The Capitals are six points up on the Sabres. And Toronto is six points up on the Sabres. So there's that. Montreal's up one to nothing on Arizona, so that's not good. Like I said, I think Montreal's the one team the Buffalo can catch realistically. And I think they have a good shot at it, but they're up one nothing on Arizona. They are five points up on Buffalo, but they've played two more games. This will be three games in hand after tonight. Sabres will have on the Canadiens, so that's a good thing. Uh, and then later on, You've got Carolina in Vancouver. Carolina is two points behind the Sabres, but they've played one more game already. By the end of the night, they will have two games in hand. The Sabres will on the Hurricanes. All right, let's switch to football. At the Senior Bowl, here's Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean, with Murph. Back at the uh, Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, we're at Ladd People Stadium between practice sessions, and we're joined by Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean. The last two years, one of the drafts you were involved with, nine draft picks played in the Senior Bowl, nine Bills draft picks. What do we learn from that? What does that tell us about the groups here and the players that have been here? Yeah, I think uh, there's a certain maturity level with, with drafting seniors and guys that generally guys that are here are ones that maybe weren't always you know the five star, the blue chip player. They've had to overcome an obstacle and maybe injury obstacles for whatever reason. Uh, with so many underclassmen coming out, uh, they weren't rated high enough or felt their draft stock was high enough to come out early. And you see. Uh, guys who have matured, they're you know sometimes they're one to two years older than the underclassmen. So there's something appealing, you know, with the culture that we're trying to build to that. But it's um, I can't say it's an intentional. We're only drafting seniors. It you know may just be the way it worked out. Is there access here that you get that makes them more? interesting to you maybe you know access for meeting room i know you do a lot of meeting yeah. stuff at night we do a lot of interviews and uh we try and get as you know our hands on as many guys as you can so you i do feel that we probably know more about the seniors also we haven't you know all fall long our scouts have been gathering information on these guys where as the juniors most of the schools don't really give you a lot of detail about them because a they don't know they're coming out and b they don't want them to come right. out so they're trying to keep them but 
Um, so at this point of the year, we know a lot more about the seniors than we do all of these underclassmen. You have 10 picks right now in this year's draft. That makes it critical, I would think, right? You must look at it that way. we got some work to do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can have all the picks you want, but uh, if they're bad picks, it, it does you no good. So uh, there comes a responsibility with 10 picks. And uh, while I'm excited about it, uh, you know, our staff, we talk about how important it is to hit on as many of these as we can because every one you hit on changes the shape of our team. Do you look at the 10 picks you have right now as 10 players, or do you look at them as like – 10 assets. We might do something else with those things. Yeah, I look at it as currency. Um, you know, I don't worry about how many we get. Uh, if it's seven, eight, nine, uh, five, whatever it is, uh, we got to hit on these guys and, and make them good Buffalo Bills. We're a little bit more than three weeks away from the end of last season. Personnel-wise, what have you spent your time on? Assessment of needs? Is that pretty much what goes on after the season ends? Yeah, you got to know your own roster. So we spent the first uh, couple weeks just uh, – you know, looking at film, going back, looking at early season tape. You know, did guys get better as the season along? Did did some of the older guys? You know, did they did their play drop a little bit? Maybe due to age or injury, things like that. And then know your own roster. And then uh, last week I went to the East West to start getting you know a feel for for those seniors. And then this week the Senior Bowl. Next week we'll go back to free agency though. So it's kind of a flip flop. Uh, back and forth. Obviously, the combine's in a month. Um, so between now and then, we'll, uh, we'll we'll go back and forth between the draft and free agency. In determining your needs and assessing your team, you got scouts to do that too. But how much input do coaches get? Position coaches? No, they do uh, because I want I want them to put you know on the line of how they see each player and what one of the things that's hard is because these guys are living in individual meeting rooms with them all year long and they're asking them to do tough things and you know you know go out there and, and go to war so to speak um to put your personal feelings aside and give me your honest assessment of where this player is. Don't don't worry about their family. If you go out to dinner with all that, I need to know exactly what you see and what his fit would be going forward. And you know, we as personnel, we have our own, and it's a little easier for us. We're not we're close to them, but we're not quite that close. So um, sometimes we're in unison. Sometimes uh, there's a little gray, and we have to keep working through it. The outside assessment is your team needs offense. Do you see that as well? Is that what you're looking? Yeah, I mean, we need good football players, but uh, we know statistically that uh, offensively we didn't rank as well as we wanted, didn't put up, you know, the points and the production. Uh, it improved late in the year, which, you know, was good to see, but uh, we know, you know, where the holes are and what we got to do, and, and uh, that's what's exciting. I heard uh, Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl, say there's good talent interior offensive line. Do you see that as when you look at this group initially? Yeah, I think there is some talent here. You know, uh, we're getting to know these guys, and uh, I know we brought our O-line, our new O-line coach down here, um, uh, Bobby Johnson, and, and we brought Brian Dayball down here, and, and they started last night meeting some of the guys on their own. Tonight we're going to bring them in and watch a little film with them. So uh, I do think there's some guys on tape that are intriguing, and um, – uh, it'll be it'll be good tonight to sit down with them and and uh, you know see their knowledge of the game. What a difference to come here and even for Bills fans, I think to think about personnel, to think about offseason needs, and not have to think about quarterbacks. Your your quarterback room is set, all three of them really. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely a different than twelve months ago, yeah. and uh, you sleep easier at night. Uh, <laughs> as I said earlier, we were at the twenty first pick, and uh, we knew there were some good players there, but just didn't know how was going to get up and where I need to get you know, to get the player that we wanted and uh, 
it all worked out. And we got Josh, and now we can build around him. Did you have any flashbacks sitting here uh, today? Like a year ago, I was sitting there watching Josh thinking, how am I going to move up and get that guy? <laughs> no, it's funny. Uh, I was sitting with Joe Shane a while ago, and we were talking about last year, a couple of the quarterbacks dropped a couple snaps. And I was like, I remember, you know, Josh and Baker and, and Mason Rudolph, some of those guys all uh, having some jitters the first day, and, and they calmed down day two, day three, and, and played well in the game. So uh, it is funny 12 months later. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned free agency. We're about seven weeks away from the start, March 13th. Uh, how do you guys prep for that? What do you do to get ready for free agency? Well, um, you know, we've been watching, you know, we've been going back and forth, but uh, our pro scouts are back there right now, and they're setting. We do a draft board for, for pro, too, and, and we, we have different grades, and uh, we put all sorts of tags on them with, on what the things that we know about them character. We're Just like we do in the draft, we're trying to find out as much as we can about these guys through the different resources we have around the league and teams. And next week when I get back from here, we're going to start in-depth uh, meetings, so we'll kind of put the college stuff on pause for – about two weeks and focus on free agency and then the college scouts are going to come back and we'll flip switch back to the draft you made it pretty clear you're talking to media here in mobile this week that uh, as important as free agency can be and you've got some money to spend the draft is really where your head is at now that's really what you're focusing yeah on. I, I truly believe that that's just the philosophy that i think works best to draft develop and sign your own and, and we've got cap room and, and we're going to use it to try and fill some holes but uh, we also have to be wise with our money so that when you know these guys that are heading into year three and four um, you know Tredavious and in that class and the, you know Matt Milano all those guys when they come up that we have money to spend so we can't just go and spend all our cap money now or when we back in the same spot and then we're going to be watching some of our own that we grew walk out the door which is not what we want so uh, we will use our money and We'll fill some holes, but we want to continue to draft, develop, and sign our own. Good luck to you. Thanks very much. Yeah, I appreciate you. There is Brandon Bean. I got distracted by some hockey during that. Um, so glad that we got the football in there because I'm not going to be going back to it. Probably for the remainder 15 minutes of the show. Alex Ovechkin scored again. It was a beautiful goal against the Leafs. They're now up 2-1. to one, And he's now on pace for 60 goals. He now has 644, which is exactly 250 goals away from the all-time record. Ovechkin's 250 goals away from Gretzky. I keep saying that. I think he's going to get it. Uh, actually, John Butchagross just tweeted this out on that. So it's career goal 644. He's on pace for 60. Butchagross says, just for sake of conversation, let's give him 55 this season. That's 662 at year's end. That would be 233 away from Gretzky's record. If he plays till 40, that averages, if he averaged 33 goals a year till age 40, that'd break the record. And that's assuming that he wouldn't play in years 41, 42, and beyond. I think he's going to do it. And then that opens up debate, right? How like we don't really have that in hockey. There's a little bit of it with McDavid and Crosby, and there used to be a lot of it, I think, with Ovechkin and Crosby, and that kind of went by the wayside once Crosby won his cups. Um and really like point wise, you know, points per game, he's up there. Ovechkin actually has more points in his career than Crosby, but points per game, Crosby's higher. But like, is that a debate we're gonna have? If Alex Ovechkin ends his career, he's already he's got the Stanley Cup now. If he ends his career with at least one cup, and he has the most goals in NHL history playing in this era, 
He's definitely better than Crosby, right? I think so. I think you'd have to put him over him, legacy-wise, all-time. Every single Canadian would tell you no. I don't care, though. They're so biased. <laughs> if he is the all-time leading goal scorer in this era, in playing in this era... I'd say so. I, my, my, I'd take my hat off to him. He would be the best player of this generation. I, I still think he arguably is. But like that would be, to me, a point where you can't argue it. And it's just the eye so, test like, alone, I think, too. I think, I think McDavid will end up with that title. Just watching him play since he was six, since he was 16 years old in juniors. I might be biased there because I drove to Erie a bunch of times to watch him play. I've kind of watched his career progress here. I think... Watching him, I think he's the best player I've ever seen in my life. That's why I think he probably, you know, he'll eclipse some sort of legacy bound, like boundary like that. But if we're talking Ovechkin, Crosby, which isn't really talked about that much um, anymore, I think we kind of got sick of it too. It's probably a big reason for it. If he is the all-time leading goal scorer, I think you gotta give it to him. You gotta. The goal they just showed it again. I mean. How how many players left in the league can take a slap shot from above the faceoff circle, wide of the faceoff circle, and score? He puts it, it's a laser right where it needs to be, posting in on the opposite side. It's exa- excuse me, exactly where you want to put it as a shooter. Unbelievable. It's the nightcap. Jody Biasi and Mike Jafari will update you on the hockey scores that affect the Sabres one more time uh, before we get out of here as Pit Reporters is coming up in just about 15 minutes. Last call in the nightcap is coming up next, 803-0550, for basically anything that uh, you want to talk about. I'm open to it. Jody Biasi and Mike Jafari here on WGR. The only way you can take WGR Sports Radio 550 with you is the Radio.com app. Download it today and listen to us anytime. Anywhere. Brought to you by Geico Local Office, West Seneca. I've be, I become obsessed with those Ovechkin getting the goals record thing. 250 away. I want odds. I want to bet on this with someone. You can bet with me. You'll give me odds? Um, sure. All right, we'll work that out then. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. I'm confident he's going to do it. Um... Last call. i got about a minute here. The Rochester Americans are playing right now, and Victor Olofsson just scored a great goal. The Sabres are in a place where we got to be thinking about that, about guys in Rochester, especially when they don't have like an A-plus prospect down there. Um, but he's scoring, and you got a break here. I wonder if they consider calling any of those guys up. I think C.J. Smith would be the most likely. He was up here. He actually scored in his last game. Uh, Olafson's up to 14 goals now in the season. Like, it's pretty good. That's good. He's playing better in year one in the AHL than than uh, Alex Nylander's playing in year three. I'll give Olafson a little bit more, or I'll give Nylander a little bit of a break here because Olafson's three years older than him. But still, first year in the AHL. He's doing a lot better. Uh, that's why if I was going to call somebody up, I'd probably go Smith one, Olafson two. Ghoulie three. Then Nylander. Not a fan. Never have been. Probably never will be. Isn't there a stat that like guys from Sweden that are good scorers there like have trouble adjusting to the NHL? Um, I don't know about that, but I do know because I looked it up once that the leading goal scorers in the Swedish Hockey League 
have essentially never done anything in the NHL except for Carl Soderberg. That was it. Like eight years ago. Other than that, generally the guys that end up leading that league in goals don't end up doing much, or if anything. So it, like, a lot of them, of course, aren't like young players like Olofsson was, but Soderberg is like the guy that led that league in goals that made it. So you'd hope maybe you get something out of him. We'll see. He's playing well in the HL. Like I said, he scored tonight. All right, thanks everybody for listening. I got full shows for the rest of the week tomorrow and Friday. Pit Reporters is coming up next. Thanks, Mike Jafari, for coming back for a Mike Jafari Wednesday. And it's been a while. Pit Reporters next here in WGR. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.